Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. I want to talk today on a subject, watch and pray. That is the, that is the title of the message, but the spirit of the message is this. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And you might ask, then why didn't you title that? I started out that way. But God directed me to do what I did. And the reason is, he said, people need answers. They need answers. There are those who want to overcome. They desire to overcome. But there are so many questions and very few answers where the answers are in the word of God. And so we want to open up his word. We're going to go back to Gethsemane today because I think there are lessons in the garden that apply to us, no matter where we are, whether we're in him or out of him, whether we're coming to him or whether we've been walking with him for some time, there are lessons. We all need to be transformed. We all need to be renewed. We all need fresh oil. That's why David said, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Yesterday's oil is like yesterday's manna. And I just want to give some context to the place, Gethsemane. The Greek meaning of Gethsemane is oil press. It's an oil press. And oil is a, is a type or represented representation of the Spirit of God. So the one who had the Spirit without measure Jesus the Christ was in the garden. And the Garden of Gethsemane is situated in the Kidron Valley between the Mount of Olives and Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the city of God. The Mount of Olives where the feet of Jesus stood after his resurrection and the disciples watched him as he was taken up. And an angel said, why stand ye here gazing up into heaven? That same Jesus that you see going away is coming back again. And the prophet said, his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives. And so even when we go through tough times, our example, Jesus shows us that it's not the end. There's still more. We're going to look in the word in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, and we're going to read verses 32 through 42. I'm going to read from the New King James Version, and it reads, Then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him. And he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little farther and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour 
might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away and prayed and spoke the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. Then he came the third time and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed in the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. My betrayer. There was a host of Roman soldiers and guards who accompanied Judas. But Jesus said singularly, my betrayer is at hand. One who was close to him, who was one of the 12. And in the garden, there was only 11. Because this one, who was taught by the rabbi, by the greatest teacher to ever walk the face of the earth, allowed Satan to enter into his heart while he was around the communion table. And he did what he did. Eight of the disciples, Jesus left a little distance away and he brought three of them to be close to him. And those three, he wanted them to watch for one hour with him while he prayed. He asked them to watch. He didn't even ask them to pray. He just said, watch with me. What does it mean to watch? You can't watch without praying because you will fall asleep. They ended up three times while he was in agony. He was in the oil press. He was being poured out. His heart, he was crying out to God. He needed some support, but they fell asleep. And Jesus lets us know that even when things are hard, he never stopped teaching. He went back to them and found them sleeping. And it's interesting, three of them were there. Matthew tells us, Peter, James, and John. But Jesus calls out Peter. Why? And he doesn't even call him Peter. He calls him Simon. Peter means rock, Petros. 
Simon is a little pebble. He, he wasn't acting like a rock. Jesus called him out because the example of the leader is important. And he said, Peter, if you would have watched, the others would have watched. They're watching you, and because you fell asleep, everybody fell asleep. There are times that God wants us to be a model. He wants us to be an example. Somebody's watching you. Your children, your co-workers, your neighbors, the people next to you in the pew are watching. And if you are acting or living a certain way by your lifestyle, they follow your lead. That's why Paul said, if, if the weak perish because I eat meat that are sacrificed to idols, he said, as long as the world stands, I won't eat meat because Jesus died for the weak and I will not do that that will cause them to stumble. I will never do something that causes the weak to stumble. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus acknowledged that I know you mean well, fellas. I know you love me. Peter, I know you do. You gonna, in a few minutes, you're going to cut off a man's ear trying to protect me. But you don't understand the spirit that you're of. You're doing that because you think I'm going to rise up and overthrow the government. You, you've lost the ability to see spiritually what this is all about. And so your actions don't align with the will of God. You need to watch and pray. Your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. And in order for our flesh in this culture to become strong, you don't have to do anything but just live in this culture. There are things that fortify your flesh all day, every day. Every, everywhere you look, there is something feeding your flesh enticing you. And Jesus gives great insight. He said, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. It is not unnatural for you and I to be tempted. What God doesn't want is for us to enter into the temptation. And too many people are entering in because their spirit is not fortified. You got to feed your spirit just as you feed your body. That's why Job said, I esteem the word of his mouth more than my necessary food because the word that he speaks is spirit and it's life. I need the life of God in me to overcome the flesh because the spirit and the flesh are contrary and they wrestle against each other. Nobody is so holy, nobody is so righteous that that wrestling doesn't happen. It happens to everyone. That's why Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God that through Jesus Christ, I'm delivered. And these disciples were tired and the flesh won out. But there are many people all around us and such are some of you who are struggling because their spirit is not fortified. Their flesh is overtaking their spirit. And that's what you call carnal Christians. You're Christians, but you're carnal because your lifestyle reflects the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. And sometimes it's not about the big bad things that are obvious. I want to tell you a personal story. Some years ago, 
I was in an airport and uh, I was on a fast, I was fasting. And there were two disciplines that from the time I was a babe in Christ, God just put it in me that I never neglected. It was the word and spiritual development. And one of the ways I did that was through fasting, by denying my flesh. And every day I read the word of God. I don't know how many years straight, maybe 30 years, never missing a day, not that I can recall. And if I was traveling and I didn't have my Bible because I didn't have, we didn't have devices like this always, not 30 years ago. And I remember one day I was in the airport and I thought, I forgot to pack my Bible. I opened my bag right in the airport. I panicked. My heart started fluttering. And the Lord gently said to me, the hotel where you're going has a Bible in it. <laughs> and I repacked my stuff, but I took it so seriously. I'm like, oh my God, I'm about to go to LA and I don't have the word of God. What am I going to do? That's how disciplined I was. But on this day, I'm walking through the airport and I'm fasting and I've got my ruler I'm going through and I smell this glorious smell, Cinnabons. And anyone who's ever fasted, you know that your senses are heightened and one of your strongest senses is smell. You remember the smells that you loved as a child. Like for me, when my mother would make Thanksgiving dinner and she would start cooking early in the morning, there was nothing like waking up to that. Till this day, I still love it. And when my wife has the, the house smelling good, it's something because it brings me back. There is some sharpness in the sensitivity of smell. And when you're fasting, it increases. So I'm, I got my roller. I walk past it, binding and loosing. The Lord rebukes you. Satan, the Lord rebukes. Then I walk past it again. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is getting weak. I walk past it a third time, and it smells so good. I said, look, I, the Lord didn't tell me to fast. I did this on my own. I started rationalizing it with myself. Am I the only one who does that? So then I went, I took out my money. I got me a Cinnabon, and I couldn't wait to bite it. I bit into it, and I knew how Adam and Eve felt when they took that forbidden fruit. It didn't taste anywhere as good as it smelled. I entered into temptation. I felt so bad. My flight was awful. I'm like, why did I do this? Why did I give up on my discipline in order to indulge in this. It wasn't even that good. I've never had another Cinnabon since then. Never, because it disappointed me and that's what sin is like. It looks good. It might even feel good for a moment, but when you're taken in, the morning after is never good. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Yesterday, I went into the heart of Kensington with YWAM on a ministry, and as I was driving to the little church where the ministry was to take place, I saw some things, and I was on the phone with my wife. I said, oh, my God, I can't believe what I'm seeing. I see people on the ground nodding, and it's obvious that it's heroin because you nod so far, but you never fall. 
flesh and bones. Women walking around emaciated, talking to themselves, drugs, their flesh is weak. As much as they want to come out and change, the flesh now has overpowered the spirit. Their spirit has almost no voice. I'm not talking about the spirit of God. I'm talking about the spirit that God breathed in us. That too needs to be fortified. And now they're living a life, a lifestyle that is totally in the flesh. And they're consumed by things that are destructive and they can't even discern that it's destructive. I said to my wife, they're not living. They're walking around, but they're not living. But one day, someone tempted them or something tempted them and they tasted of it. And they never stopped. Like that Cinnabon, after I did it, I felt so bad and I repented, I apologized. I've never had another Cinnabon again. It might taste better than that day, but I'll never know because I felt that I let God down and I was ashamed. You get to a point when you walk so much in the flesh that you don't even, you don't even feel shame. It's gone. Initially you do, and then it overtakes you. And so how do we fortify our spirit and crucify our flesh. These disciples, they loved him, no doubt. They just had a moment where their flesh was weak. And Jesus gave them a word when he came back and he told them, you, you couldn't pray with, watch with me for one hour. And he told them the reason why this was important. He says, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray. That's when he introduced prayer. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. If you don't watch and pray, you're going to enter into temptation. That's a word for somebody. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He gave them that word and they still went to sleep. How many people hear the word, but the word doesn't penetrate? That night, it couldn't penetrate them. Jesus teaches us in the same book of, of Mark, I believe in the fourth chapter, about the parable of the sower. And he says there are four types of heart, four heart types. There's a stony heart. It's hard. It's callous. Nothing can penetrate it. Seed just bounces off it. And the seed, Jesus tells us, because the disciples didn't understand it, he said, how will you know all parables if you don't know this? He said, the seed is the word, is the word. And the word of God, like all seeds, a seed produces after its own kind. You put a seed in the ground and a sprout comes up, then a tree and leaves and fruit from just a single seed. Someone once said, there are a thousand forests in one acorn. You put one acorn in the ground and it will multiply. Well, the word of God is like that. The word of God is so powerful that when he said, let there be light, there was light. 
There's creativity in that seed. When the seed gets in your heart, if you've got the right kind of heart, not a stony heart, not a shallow heart that has no depth, People who have a shallow heart, they're happy when they hear it, but then when they're confronted with something, the spirit is willing. But the flesh is weak because it had no depth. God give us depth in our heart. Father, I pray that you would take the shallow hearts and make them deep. Let them be so deep that the devil can't reach down because Satan comes and snatches it from the shallow heart. But today, there's going to be depth of heart. This word will not be snatched because the Holy Ghost is going to give your heart depth if you have a shallow heart. The other is the heart that is deceived by the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches. That's the only one that has two things, the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches. But the heart that God desires is the one that is good ground. And you know it's good ground because it produces. It produces. The word of God always produces. His word never comes back void. If it goes out, it's going to accomplish the thing that it was sent to accomplish. There's something God wants to accomplish in your life. That's why he sent me to tell you that your spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We've got to realize that it's important for us every day to fortify our spirit, to build up our spirit so our spirit is strong. It can overpower the flesh. The flesh should not be controlling you. The spirit ought to control you. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Your flesh, as long as you're in it, is always going to lust, but it's the fulfillment of it. It's the entering into temptation. Temptation is not the problem. It's the entering in that is the problem. And Jesus was the master. He's our example of how you avoid that. He knew no sin. He was, he was tempted just like us, but he was without sin. And even those who are close to him, we have moments where we fall asleep. When we ought to be hearing and doing, we fall asleep. That's why the Bible says to the church, it is high time that we awake out of sleep because now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. God is looking for people who are going to come with a pure heart and hear and do as he says. God is doing the work in the earth and he needs people who mean business. I remember once there was a young lady who worked for an organization that I was leading and she was having some problems. And she thought, I'm going to go right to the corner office instead of going to HR. They're not helping me. And I've always wanted to be accessible, so I gave this person some time, my office was all glass all around. And so we sit in the office and she starts telling me what she's going through and how she's being wrongfully treated. And I, I didn't judge that, I wanted to hear her heart. And at one point she stopped and she said, I love the Lord. I'm not one of those people who just say, I mean business and I can tell by her conviction that she really meant business. And I stopped the meeting at that point and I said, let's pray together. And we began to pray in a corporate office. We began to pray until she started to weep 
right in the office and I'm in there in glass and I'm thinking somebody's going to think this big bad executive is bullying this person had nothing to do with that. It had to do with the spirit of God in that place. Now, some of the things that caused her to be in the situation she was in was on her. But I realized that her spirit was willing, but her flesh was weak. And so we prayed. The purpose of the prayer was to fortify her spirit, to encourage her, and not give in to those things that are happening to you because you're not what happens to you. The sum of who you are is not what happens to you. Some of you have had bad things happen to you, things that you don't even want to talk about, abusive things, but that's not who you are. I am what God says I am. I'm a child of God. God made me and he doesn't make everything he made is good. I don't care what the world says about you. I don't care what others say about you. God made you and you're good and he loves you just as you are. Even when your spirit is willing and your flesh is weak, he wants to teach you how to fortify your spirit. So after we watch and we pray, what are we to do to fortify our willing spirit and subdue our weak flesh? We are living in a culture and a time, beloved, where pornography is mainstream. It's everywhere. Like, you can't even recognize it in some, in some instances because things that become normalized become okay. That's why you have to be vigilant. You have to be alert. And you have to know, brothers in particular, when to bounce your eyes. I saw a statistic that startled me. 85% of men in America, 85% watch por pornography at least twice per week. Some more. 85%. If it's 85%, that probably includes some of us. Only 15% are not in that category. And why is that? It's because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Some of them watch it because it pops up and they don't look away. Others got it bad. They pursue it. They go to look for it. A good friend of mine told me that they, in their body, they did a study. And pastors, after their most glorious anointed messages, are more likely to indulge in pornography. What? After the spirit of God has descended on you because the spirit in the flesh wrestle and the stronger, the more fortified your spirit, the more your flesh is going to rise up to be heard, to have a voice. And in our culture where it's everywhere, where you indulge yourself, you indulge yourself. We live in a culture where you eat and you drink because tomorrow you die. You only live once. We only live once, but it's forever. Eternal life has been established by Jesus Christ. And every one of us 
Our end is not the end. Just like Jesus on the Mount of Olives, the angel said, why are you standing up gazing, gazing into heaven? That same Jesus that you see going away is coming back again. So when we put people in the ground, they're like seeds in the ground. They're going to come up again. It's going to produce something and our works do follow us. And that's why God is compelling us to fortify our spirit so that we can overcome the weakness of the flesh. That is true for every person who's taking breath. It's the, it's the nature of what we became after Adam fell. But I thank God for the second Adam, who's a quickening spirit, who's the answer. He is the answer. And he is the one who can lead us and guide us into all truth. The spirit, the comforter has come to do that. Let's look at what we can do. And this is not intended to be exhaustive, but this is what God told me to tell you. And if each of us do this every day, we will experience renewal. We will experience times and moments and seasons, and I pray a lifetime of abiding in him. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, I'm going to read from the New King James, and then I'm going to read a couple other versions so that everybody, God wants to speak to us in a language that we understand. And so I want to take a couple of angles. Romans 12 and 1 reads, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world. The world will form you. The world will shape you. So it takes some force to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's look at the, another version. We're going to look at two more versions. NIV says it this way. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, because God is so merciful, you ought to do this thing, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Paul is telling us in this version, it's about worship. A sacrifice was meant as worship to God. And it was food for God. The smell goes into his nostril. Our life ought to be a sacrifice that pleases God, a sweet-smelling savor. Verse 2 of the NIV says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. There are patterns in the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. If we are not presenting our bodies on a daily basis to God as a living sacrifice, and a sacrifice in the time that this was written was a spiritual act. 
and the sacrifice was consumed. That's what we want to happen to our flesh daily. Our flesh needs to die. God consume my flesh and speak to my spirit so I can test and prove. In this culture, Lord, we need to test things and be able to prove what is your will and what is not your will. Not just by what's popular, not because of the trends, not because my buddy does it, not because everybody does it, not because my flesh wants me to fit in in order to get in. I don't want to live like that. I therefore present my body. The, the English Standard Version says it this way. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable, which is your spiritual worship. Let's hold it there for a minute. I like this version because it says it's your spiritual worship. There's no other way to worship God because God is a spirit. And they who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Whatever I offer to God in my flesh is not acceptable. That's why the offering from Cain and the offering from Abel was different. He's, he liked, he was pleased with Abel because Abel offered a living sacrifice. Cain offered a dead sacrifice and then got mad because God didn't receive it. There are so many people who offer dead sacrifices and they get mad at the church and leave. It has nothing to do with the church. It has to do with God. If you never set foot in a church, get right with God. This is not about a building. I don't preach to people to come to church. I preach to people to come to Jesus. It's about him. It's only about him. I, I don't understand why people have hardship and they blame God. Who's good? It's because they don't understand them. It's because their flesh is overtaking their mind. Their minds are carnal. But people who are deeply spiritual, even in the depth of despair, they worship God. They say that God is good. They understand it. I'll never forget years ago, I saw an interview by Diane Walters of a man. His name was Robert. I'll never forget it. He was deaf. He was mute. And he was blind. He could speak just a little bit, and he, he cared for himself. His wife, who he married, were also blind. But this brother wrote the most beautiful poetry, and his poetry was blessing God. He talked about how good God was. He couldn't see. He couldn't talk. He couldn't hear. But something inside of him was telling him that God was good and he used Braille. He ended up getting a PhD. He learned how to read. He was like a contemporary version of Helen Keller. And when I heard it, I said, I can't keep this to myself. I went to the, the site of ABC and I took the transcript, the video. I took it to work. And I got people in a room and I made them listen. And I said, you are always complaining. You're always complaining. It was a righteous rebuke. I said, you live like the top 2% in America, the richest nation in the world, but you're always complaining. But look at this person 
who the world would see as disabled and dysfunctional, as nobody who can't function. And listen how grateful to God he is. There was wet faces in the room. Normally, it's not possible, it's not popular to mix that. But because it was done in a secular medium, I brought it in. And it was an opportunity for me to say to people, you ought to give thanks to God. You ought to be grateful. You, none of you are blind. None of you are deaf. None of you are mute. You've got everything. You live in beautiful homes and you're still complaining. You want more. You're looking for the next promotion. You're backstabbing people. You're playing politics. It's time out for that. I believe that we're living in a season where God wants to invade every area of our life. It's not just when we come to church on Sunday. God is everywhere. The kingdom of God has come. And everywhere your feet step, the king, the people ought to know that the kingdom of God has come near to them. It's about Jesus. It's not about us. And because we want to represent him well, we want to overpower our flesh by fortifying the spirit. And every day when your feet touch the ground, as you kneel and pray or as you sit and pray, you want to say, Lord, today I present my body as a living sacrifice. You're not the God of the dead. You're the God of the living as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you. What I've been doing, God, is not acceptable to you. It's not acceptable to me anymore. I want to worship you in spirit. I want to be true. I want you to look at me and be pleased. I want my life to be a drink offering. Pour it out on the altar. God, I pray that your people would do according to your word. Let's read verse 2 of this version. Do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. It's time for us to test things. And it doesn't mean an experiment or something long or drawn out in a moment. You ought to be able to test it. There are times when God wants to speak to us and our flesh is weak and we don't wake up. The prophet Zechariah in Zechariah 4 and 1 said, Now the angel who talked with me, Sometimes God wants to talk to us and we're spiritually asleep. We can't hear. He sends a messenger. Angel represents a messenger with a word, but we're spiritually asleep. It's like the people that my heart was aching for in Kensington. They were walking around, but it was clear that they were dead. They had no hopes. They had no dreams. They had no inspiration. They were living for their next fix. They were in bondage. They were controlled by the thing that they entered into by temptation. And addiction is just one of those things. There are many things that hold us captive. Now the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who was wakened out of his sleep. I went to God that you would be a light sleeper spiritually, that when he calls, you'll answer. Some of the best times I've had with the, with the Lord are in hours that some might say are ungodly. When he wakes me up and I get to talk to him and he gets to talk to with me 
and we get to commune together. Worship breaks out. Enlightenment, understanding breaks out. I get my greatest inspiration in those times because there's nothing to distract me. There's nothing moving. There's nothing stirring. There's nothing in order to enter my mind. There's no television. There's no social media. They're not the voices of those people who are carnal. It's only me and him. But when the flesh is weak, even though Jesus gave the answer to their problem, they fell asleep again because they were in weakness. I had a conversation last week at Chestnut Hill Hospital with uh, Sister Diane Davis. I always enjoy talking to her because it's always spiritual. I've never had one second. This is just my experience. And this is not the only one. I don't want you to say, well, I'm like that too. I'm just giving an example. This is not to show favorites or any of that. It's an example that's relevant to this message. So there's my disclaimer. And one of the reasons I love talking to her is it's always spiritual. I never have a conversation with her. I never had one to this date where I, my spirit wasn't somehow fortified. And it's just a natural conversation. And we're waiting after she got her vaccination. You have to wait for 15 minutes and we're waiting. And she said, you know, Pastor Bob, I was praying about something. I, when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration with the three disciples, the same three, Peter, James, and John, he wanted to teach them something. And he, they came down from the mountain against Peter's objection. He wanted to stay on the mountaintop. He said, let's build three tabernacles. But they had to come down. And I thought about that thing. And it's like, you know what? Lord, that was selfish of Peter. Because the other nine are struggling. And because he's on the mountaintop, he wants to stay there. That's a word. Thank you. That's a word for every leader who hears the sound of my voice. It's not just about you. The kingdom of God is about the body of Christ. And every joint fits together. And we ought to support one another. It's not about your brand. It's not about the name that's on the shingle out front. It's about Jesus Christ. And so we walk together in love and in unity and support each other. But they, they went down to the mount because the father spoke and said, this is my beloved son, hear him. And as I said a few weeks ago, it was as if he was saying to Peter, stop talking. You need to listen to the word that's spoken that comes out of his mouth. And so they go down and there's a father with a son and he comes to Jesus. He runs away from the nine and goes to Jesus and says, Lord, I can't. My son has had these convulsions. Sometimes it throws him in the fire, sometimes in the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they couldn't heal him. And Jesus asked a few questions and then he rebuked that spirit. He said, you deaf and dumb spirit, called it by name, come out of him. Come out of him. See, that's when you present your body, you can discern things. You know stuff. You can call it out. But when you are not living a lifestyle, and this was the insight that uh, Diane Davis had, she said, you know, I realize it wasn't about 
fasting and praying because Jesus in that verse, when the disciples came to him, you're familiar with the story. And they said, Lord, why couldn't we do this? Why couldn't we heal him? He said, this kind comes by nothing but by prayer and fasting. And as she was talking, I promise you that this is the truth. I stand before the God who I stand and the God I serve. This is true. The Spirit of God told me it's lifestyle. You've got to be always ready. And that's the exact words that came out of Diane's mouth. And we start rejoicing in that moment, right in the clinic, when we're supposed to be waiting to see if there was any side effects. The Spirit of God came right in our midst in that moment. It wasn't like we were acting, running over chairs or benches. It was just a spiritual connection in a moment. And she's right. He said, this kind cometh forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. But Jesus didn't pray and fast. Can you imagine if someone knows who you are in the Lord and they bring, they bring a problem or a person is sick and they want you to lay hands and you say, let me fast and pray for three days. I'll get back to you. It doesn't work like that. It's a lifestyle. It is a lifestyle. It is being ready. And that's what it means. That's what God is saying when he's telling us to present our bodies. We need to do it every day so that we don't conform to the world, but that we're transformed. We need to be transformed every day. I don't know about you, but I need my mind renewed every day because there's more of him. I want more. His, his such is too wonderful. David said, I can't comprehend. Such knowledge is too wonderful. And we know in part, but I want a bigger part. I want a bigger part. So every day, Lord, I come to you presenting my body as a living sacrifice. I renounce anything that is not like you. I want to be more like you. You're the greatest example. There's nobody like you. And God, because you loved us so much, because of your grace, we ought to do this. And we know that we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And we don't want to take on the ways of the world. And so God, I ask you to deliver those who are struggling. The, some of your children are struggling. Their spirit is willing, but their flesh is weak. Today, give more depth in their heart. God, I pray that you would shut the doors on the things that deceive them, the cares of this life. God, cast them aside that they might come closer to you because if they draw near to you, you'll come near to them. God, I pray today would be a day of transformation. Somebody is being transformed by the renewing of their mind. God, I pray that you would do it out of your goodness. You're not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. There's some who are still outside. They're your children, but they don't even know you yet, that you are the God who knew them before you separated them from their mother's womb. They need to know you. They need to know you so they can over overcome their struggles. They need the power of God. God, they can't do it in their own flesh because their flesh is weak. They want to break free. They want to get out, but they can't. Somebody is struggling with addiction. Somebody's struggling with pornography. Somebody's struggling with relationships they can't break free from. God, I pray today that you would remove them and they would no longer live a carnal lifestyle but a life that is holy and acceptable, that is pleasing. God, help them to discern what's good. Help them to discern your will. 
go down into their soul. God, the place that you breathe life into them, go to the depth of their soul where their intellect is, where their emotion is. And God, I pray where their will is and cause them to submit their will to you, that their will would be conformed by you, conformed to you and reformed and renounce the ways of the world. God, sometimes we just don't know how to do it. We're no different than Peter and James and John. We've walked with you. We've heard you teach. We've heard you as the greatest preacher. But then we enter into temptation. God, help us to understand that it's not unnatural for temptation to come. It's not unholy or unrighteous when there's a struggle because the spirit and the flesh are contrary and we're clothed in flesh. There's nothing wrong with that contrariness, but the devil has deceived too many and made them think that because of that, they're unworthy. Because of the thoughts of their heart, they're unworthy. And because occasionally they enter in that they're unworthy, you didn't come to call the righteous. And God, you love them even more. I know as a father that there are times when my children disappoint me, but that's when I want to cover them. That's when I want to embrace them. I want them to know that they're loved so that they don't go further away. God, you are brokenhearted when your children stray. Somebody needs to come back home today. Call them back. God, you are, you are like the father of the prodigal standing in the window, waiting day after day for them to come. May this be the day. God, put the best robe on them. Put the best robe. Put a ring on their finger. And God, I pray that they would know that the fatted calf is just for them. In the name of Jesus, God, I pray that somebody would reach out right now for someone some need somebody to pray for them and others need somebody to pray with them. Whatever it is, God, let them know that there's a safe place for them to go. There are people that you've consecrated for this moment, for this moment, for this day. You knew that they would be here this day. You knew their needs and you prepared the answer. And so God, today, we commit our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you, which is our reasonable service. And God, today, we say that we will no longer be conformed to this world, but we're going to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Every day, God, remind us, nudge us as we wake up, and we give thanks for being grateful for being in the land of the living. May we soon present ourselves. It's not a one-time thing. It's, a, it's over and over. Just as sanctification is not an act, it's a process. We need you, Lord. We need your spirit. We need your guidance. We can't do it in our own strength. 
It's by your power. It's not by might, nor is it by power, but it's by your spirit. And the harder we try to hold on, the harder we try to grip, the more we lose our grip. God, deliver those who try to hold on under their own strength. It's your power. It's not our power. It's your power. And by your power, even our weakness is made strong because your strength is made perfect in my weakness, in our weakness. And so we submit all to you because we can trust you, because you're faithful. You've proven yourself to be faithful. You're so loving. And God, because of what we see in the world, people have lost sight of how good you are. Rarely do they see goodness. And God, as a church, we ought to repent for that because they ought to see the goodness of God in us. No one should be in despair because of the things that happen in the world because we're in the world, we're not of it. We are the example that's in the earth right now of Jesus Christ, led by the Spirit, loving because the way the world knows that we belong to you is because we love one another. We, we ought not be fighting one another, biting and devouring and bickering. We ought to love one another. If there was ever a time in human history where the church needed to demonstrate love, it's now. And God, we know that there are things that are happening in our world that is for your glory. And so we confess that our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. And so now we pray, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on every house, on every soul, on every heart. Spirit of the living God, would you fall fresh now? Minister to the people. softly. I want to make last one last point that illustrates his goodness. In the garden when Jesus was in agony nothing was hidden from him. He knew what he was about to face. His disciples were unaware why he wanted them to watch with him and eventually to pray with him because they couldn't discern it. 
But for the next 36 hours after his arrest, 36 hours straight, they who couldn't stay asleep for one hour had to witness from a distance the torture and beating and mockery of the King of Kings. His face, the prophet Isaiah said, was so mangled that it did not resemble a human being. That's before he went to the cross. Before he went to the cross, he endured 36 hours of violent, violent torture. It's so violent that I've never seen a picture that rightfully depicts his visage or his image, his face, as it was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Even in the Passion of Christ, which was violent, you saw the cat of nine tails, you saw all of that stuff, but it didn't come close to the things he suffered just for you and just for me. In my lifetime, the closest I've seen in terms of an image is a 14-year-old boy from Chicago who went to Mississippi and said a kind word to a, a lady in a store. He was going to purchase something. And her husband thought he was making a pack. He's 14 years old. They beat him so badly that his face was disfigured. His name is Emmett Teal. If you have a device, I want you to Google it. We didn't show it here because children watch this and it's the kind of thing that will stay with them. Why do I bring this up? For two reasons. Emmett's cause of death wasn't the disfiguration of his faith, which was worse than Quasimodo. His death was by lynching. After they beat that young child, to a place where I don't know where his mother found the courage to keep his casket open. They hung him. And Jesus, who suffered more than Emmett, his face didn't resemble the face of a man. And that was before he went on the cross. And before they hung him, after 36 hours of torture and violent beating, all night, just not for one night, for 36 hours, they took him from Caiaphas to Pilate. He had to bear the cross, which they say, historians say, weighed 150 pounds. And in that hour, his, his father was merciful. He sent a man from Cyrene named Simon to help him bear it. The three didn't help him bear his spiritual cross in the garden because their flesh was weak. They fell asleep. But God sent someone to bear that physical cross and he went to the cross and they put nails in his hands. Not because of him. He was innocent just like young Emmett was innocent. He just wanted to purchase something and he died violently. It doesn't come close to what the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords suffered just for you. And love caused him to do it. Not because it was easy, but because there was no other way for us to be redeemed. There was no other way to reverse the curse. There was no other way to undo what Adam did in the garden. So Jesus goes to a garden. Adam fell in a garden. And Jesus goes to a garden to lift you up and to lift me up and to be crushed 
in the olive press. And then he endures the kind of suffering, the kind of violent suffering that others deserve. He didn't deserve it, but he was willing to do it because of the value of your life and because you matter. And because you matter to God, every one of you, I don't care what your race, color, or creed, every kindred, every tribe matters to him. And so he willingly suffered. And that's why we don't want to fall asleep on him spiritually. That's why we want to remain awakened. And if we should fall asleep because our flesh is weak, May we be like the prophet Zechariah, a light sleeper. He said the angel spoke to him, awakened him as a man who's awakened out of sleep. It's high time that we awake out of sleep. God wants to talk to you. He wants more intimacy with you. Arise and shine. This is your awakening. Father, we thank you. And we pray that your word would take root today and that it would accomplish what you sent it to do. And now God bring forth fruit. I pray that the ground is good. I pray that the shallow ground is, is made deep. God, I pray that the hard hearts have been made, have been broken up. The fallow ground, the fallow ground has been broken up today by your word. Is not your word a hammer that breaketh up the stone? Hammer that heart, God, until it's broken. And here's the last point I want to make. If you by now have Googled Emmett, the people who did that to him, even them, as evil as it was, God is willing to forgive. And I know this because Jesus whose face was worse than little boy Emmett on the cross, said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you're doing. You might be in the act of something right now. I don't care. He loves you, and he want, he's come to deliver you. He wants to bring you out. There are some people who need a church without walls, like the people that I saw in Kensington. God's got an answer for you too. I commend you to his grace and to his spirit. Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again. Jesus.